CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Blaisdell Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, July the twelfth. Uh, feels like like the other day I was saying it's such and such made the something. Um, your long national nightmare is almost over. Um, football will be here soon. Uh, Virginia starts um, quote unquote fall practice on July the twenty seventh, twenty eighth. Um, practices uh, 28, 29th, and 31st. It's very strange. I'm not going to watch any actual football uh, in August. But anyway, um, we're going to, as as my intro may have alluded to, we're going to we're going to talk football again. We, we, our countdown to camp series is finished up with the offense, um, and we're going to kind of dish a little bit uh, some of those particulars about um, maybe some of the question marks that, that Virginia has on, on that side of the ball. Uh, we Dave and I covered last week uh, quarterback and and I believe uh, wide receiver. So we've got we got the offensive line to talk about, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, we let me go ahead and introduce everybody before we get started. Out in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's? It is on always so weird that you say thanks for asking. It's it's <laughs> nice, I guess. I appreciate it. Uh, and Justin Ferber up in Arlington is also back on the show. His 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 daily duties in the real world have allowed him to be back. How are you, my friend? I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> so <laughs> awkward. It's like you. It's like you both think you're on like curb your enthusiasm or something. It's great. I'm not gonna. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> give the people your Twitter handle so I can give the people my Twitter handle. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And look, hey, Cavs Corner is also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional. Uh, Woody banter. If if uh, if the start of the show is any uh, any indication, you guys should probably pack a lunch. Because uh, we're we're gonna be here. A while. Uh, we're we're apparently in a mood. Um, all right, so let's talk uh, Virginia offense. Um, I feel like as we went through the different positions, a couple things became clear for me, and I, I'll I want to I, I want you guys to chime in as, as you see appropriate. There was an interesting discussion around the offensive line, which I don't think I maybe I should have seen coming, but I didn't necessarily see coming. Which was we focus a lot. I think in our discussions, especially on the podcast, on depth, right? Um, they only have X number of guys, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it seemed like a lot of the guys on the board really kind of took the discussion more of a, in, the, in terms of the talent. And the more I kind of thought about it after the, the piece ran, I started to sort of think about it almost in a different way, which is like they're, they're, they, were, they were a line that maybe wasn't very good at times last year, and they're replacing three starters. And they're looking to two dudes who haven't played but like four games in like three seasons. That is some next level uh, tenuous stuff, right? Like it is not. Uh, that's not something you just like work your way through. I mean, they're going to need a, a significant amount of development. And the more I, I was, uh, I was playing with this idea of writing um, like a almost like a. a, a, a middle like a almost like a halftime of the countdown of camp series like before between offense and defense doing one on the schedule and I just keep thinking about these games and I'm like man but what if the line doesn't do this and what if the line doesn't do that and I I I just don't know if I can even focus on much else with Virginia I mean I'm not trying to spoil everybody's like pre run up to the season but like I just feel like the offensive line is such a massive story no pun intended that like that to me just it totally clouds Everything that I'm thinking about with this team, I, I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious what you guys. Yeah, think. it always starts with the offensive line. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the the one thing that kind of stands out to me is you know, 
I, I think I'm guilty of it too. You talk about replacing the starters. You're like, well, we got two grad transfers. Well, you know, they weren't exactly killing it at Notre Dame and Oklahoma state. No offense to those guys or, or they would have played a lot more and not be looking to transfer. Um, but they do have experience, but they don't have experience with this staff who we know is very unique in the way they do things. Um, I mean, they're still going to have to pass tempo runs and everything else just to practice. Um, so there's a lot of caveats. The one positive I'll say for the offensive line is as much as, as we complain about, you know, we haven't landed a, you know, a Eugene Monroe or a DeBrickashaw De caliber recruit with the staff, obviously. But obviously the offensive line, you can look it up. I mean, I, read, I, can't, I wish I could remember where the article was. That's why I said look it up. Um, it is the position, like when you look at NFL prospects, it is the position that recruiting stars are least relevant. It is a, it's so, so much to project. Now you get five stars and whatever, but I think it was the 2015 classes as far as this article went. Like of the um, five star offensive linemen, only one of them made it to the NFL that year. So most of the linemen that made it were two and three stars. So there's a lot of development. So I don't think we should get too upset with, like, we don't have a five star guy there. We have a, who I think, and Tom will tell, a very good offensive line coach who, coaches to a, a pro you know coaches into the system we're running um but the thing i'm encouraged about even though we think we don't have a lot of depth we have a lot of bodies and you look at last fall and they were basically playing what four guys in a walk-on for most of you know, a good part of our practice being able to practice with intensity because you've got some guys you need to get reps i think will help the team long term but what we do you're right i mean what we do is based on how they that progresses and I don't know that we're necessarily worse off than we were last year because we saw what we had last year. Yeah, it's like the offensive line especially is really hard to fix your depth issues in one offseason. Um, I know we've talked about that before, but it's kind of like they can recruit well and you know get guys that will develop into decent players. Like you said, stars don't really matter as much on the line. Um, and I think that they are recruiting guys that they think can fit what they want to do offensively, but the problem is a lot of those guys aren't ready to contribute right away. Uh, I mean, I agree with what Dave said. It's kind of like it does help in practice because, I mean, you had guys like Ben Trent, who was a freshman walk-on, playing significant you know, numbers of snaps and practices, at least the ones that we saw. And, I mean, you start to think, like, why is he playing so much? And then you look at the rest of the roster and you're like, oh, there's nobody else to play. Um, so I think they've started to work on the numbers issues, like, especially in this class coming up that will you know, enroll next year. But um, – it's encouraging to know that they're emphasizing it from like a program building roster management standpoint, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to pay off right away. Yeah, that's my. And at this point, Go ahead, going into this fall camp, do we have more offensive linemen on the roster this year than we did last year? Don't we? Yeah, I would. I would. I, mean, I would say that's true. Guys. Yeah, I would agree. So, yeah. Who knows if they're good? Especially with the two them. grad transfers coming in. Yeah. Well, and the thing too is that, like, if you think about the 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 nature of the position you know you're got you're right like the stars when it comes to the offensive line like those the, a lot of the offensive linemen who develop are guys who come from that's like where the smaller colleges sometimes really end up putting guys in the draft and whatnot but just in terms of like let's just let's just look at the uh at, at the at the um at, at UVA situation specifically, right? Like you have guys who maybe maybe last year they just weren't big enough, or maybe last year they still didn't know the scheme well enough. Um, I, I I am the if anybody who's listened to this podcast knows I am the two things can be true guy, right? I think it's very I think it's very reasonable to not expect much from this offensive line and to 
and to talk a lot about the question marks and the and the issues that they might have. But I think it's also true that you know what there are some guys uh, in the mix here who we haven't seen. They are not known commodities. One, you know, one uh, one byproduct of having to replace guys is that you have to replace them with people. Now, known commodities are make us feel comfortable, right? They make us feel safe. Like you know, like oh, that's you know that's player X, and he's he's going to be solid. You know, like you feel pretty good about Jack McDonald. You feel pretty good, I guess, about Jack English as well. When you're looking around the line, and you're looking for how things fall. It just seems like, right, that the two grad transfers are are probably looking at a guard and tackle. Jake Feeler seems to be the heir apparent in the center, and so there's your five. Then you start talking about okay, sliding decisions behind them, and how guys, um, you know, will guys will there be a rotation? How how will guys see the field? But I think one thing about it is is like. Uh, Dylan Rankinsmeyer, uh, Ben Knutson, like those guys, um, they they might get a shot. And th- you know what? Maybe they made the most of their redshirt year last year. But it's tough, I think, as we look forward, when you have question marks and the answers you want to put there, you don't know even what those answers are, right? And that, that seems like a thing that happens on the offensive line more than not. And so as I started sort of thinking about this, I kind of feel like in a lot of ways as I'm going through the schedule, like I'm like, man, Ben Kirk's really going to have to play really well um, or he's just going to have to have a really good running game. And then I thought back, I, I don't know if anybody's checked it out, but um, SB Nation's uh, is, is Billy Connolly, right, who does the um, these really cool like in-depth sort of season previews. And he's talking about um, – He's talking about uh, man. I totally lost my train of thought. I hate when that happens, and I'm and I'm recording things. But he but but essentially the idea that um, that when Virginia was good last year, they were balanced, right? Anai was very pass happy throughout the season. More pass happy maybe than he was at, at BYU. Um, when they were but when they were good, they weren't asking. They weren't having to ask Ben Kirk to do but so much. And so I really think a lot of it comes down to can they create on the ground? I, I do have faith in the running backs. I, I think that Jordan Ellis, Daniel Ham, Lamont Atkins, and probably Jamari Peacock, like that's a good group. I think they, that's productive. I think they're hard runners. I think they're guys that can get yards in a variety of ways. The question is just going to be are the holes going to be there? I mean, you can be the best running back in the world, and if somebody doesn't give you some space, it doesn't really matter, right? Um, I just kind of feel like – the offensive line, I feel like we, you could say this every year about every team. If the offensive line is good, they'll be good. But, like, for this team, it's, it's literally the difference between, what, 2 and 10 and 5 and 7. I mean, and, and, and it seems weird to say that and, like, oh, that's just not, that doesn't seem like a difference. But, man, that would be a huge difference for this team and this program, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't want to bash on Ben Kurt, but, you know, the offensive line was bad last year. I don't think they were as bad as – as Ben Kurt at times and the running backs made him look, um, we've, we've talked about it at nauseum. I mean, Kurt was very uncomfortable in the pocket last year. How much of that was related to his shoulder and the, you know, the knee brace, we will find out pretty quickly this year. Um, you know, if he's better in the pocket, that's going to help the offensive line. We, y'all, y'all remember that. I mean, there were several games where he had a little bit of pressure in his face and he made it worse by going the wrong way or, or running. Right know, he ran into in the him. coverage. Yeah. Um, and let's say, and I will say, you know, smoke was a bit, the you know the the tailback in almost every play last year. You know, <laughs> almost every carry. Smoke was a lot of things, but like if you got a hand on him in the backfield, if he didn't juke you, you could get him down pretty easy. Um, so he kind of played into an offensive line that gives up pressure up the middle. Um, 
not putting the guy down. That just wasn't his strong suit. You know, breaking a tackle. He was a, you know, he was an avoid a tackle guy. Um, so you know, there's a potential, and I think if Virginia is going to be good this year, it's going to be because of the, that potential being realized that Ben Kurt's a little better in the pocket now that he's healthier, a little lighter without the brace. And then having a big back like Ham or Ellis or Peacock catch touching the ball, maybe you'll break some of those tackles that ended drops last year. Yeah, I mean, I kind of tried to dance around that when I wrote about the running back position because I didn't want to go out on a ledge and say they're going to be better off without smoke because obviously that's kind of hard to say. Um, I mean, he caught 52 passes last year and was the leading rusher. So, I mean, that's that's not going to be easy to replace that kind of production, but they can replace it in different ways, I think. Um, I think Ellis, especially, and Ham to a degree, bring some, th- you know, between the tackles running that maybe was lacking before. Um, I mean, Albert Reed could do that kind of stuff, but I think these two guys are a little bit more explosive and have the chance to have higher ceilings, I think. Um, and, and then obviously a guy like Atkins is balanced and can do a little bit of everything. And then you have Peacock, if he plays on the goal line or in short yardage, he could, you know, he could be tough to bring down. So, I think that kind of brings a different element that kind of reminds you of how they ran the ball at BYU. Um, they had guys like Jamal Williams, who was, you know, just like a three down back, um, you know, runs up the middle. And then they had guys that kind of ended up being fullbacks in the NFL um, that were their running backs at BYU, just really big guys that could carry a load between the tackles. Um, I think smoke was kind of like an outlier for them in a sense, from a strategy standpoint from the running back position. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that, that's no good. Dave, good. I was saying, I think I, I can't remember if I brought it up last week or not, but um, in Virginia was blitzed like more than any offense in the ACC last year. I think a lot of that was defensive coordinators realizing if it smokes in the backfield, if we bring pressure, there's a chance he's going to have to you know, be- become a, a blocker and not a receiver. And if he does get out of the backfield, they're going to throw it short to him because of the pressure. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure we'll face as many blitzes going forward. Um, and, and that kind of, goes in I would imagine <laughs> you know that, that Ellis and Ham will be better at picking up the blitz and what's the upside of that if you're you know they're not going to come out so you know there's a lot of things even though this team in many ways has got more question marks than we had going into last year um, there's a lot of things that we saw last year that I think could potentially be improved but you know there's a there's, <laughs> there's a lot of things that need to be improved which kind of gives me pause into what this team could be. Another thing I thought of as, as we sort of worked through the offense um, in the countdown to camp series was, you know, this is a really nice group of receivers. Um, my guess is, is that Warren Craft, who went through spring ball, he's still on the roster. So until Bronco says otherwise, I guess we have to assume that he's going to be back in some capacity. Um, if that's the case, I mean, you talk about Donnie Dowling, uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, uh, Andre Lavroni, um, Joe Reed, Hassis Dubois, um, Kraft. Um, that's a that's a pretty and Cole Blackman. That's a really good group. Uh, multiple skill sets. Maybe they don't have one burner. Um, and I think Ferber was right to to, to kind of talk up uh, Sean Smith, um, who I think could play a could play a real role uh, in the offense. And and the other thing too with that group is like uh, those are largely guys who have really done something. So like we're talking about like oh potential this and potential that. Like at least you've seen some of these guys on the field. Maybe Joe Reed only caught what four passes or something last year, or, or you know Dewide didn't catch a bunch of balls. 
but like they're guys that you've seen you've seen them do something and you have a feel for who they are um i really think that virginia's the, the struggle that that maybe a nye will have this year is that how long can he try to make the run game work when it seems like the the strength might be ben kirk's arm plus this group of wide receivers right those two philosophical things are going to be at issue in his brain basically the entire uh, – well, not just the entire game, but game week. I mean, I feel like that's going to be something that's going to define UVA season is uh, how much balance are they able to, to get to. If, if, Virginia can, can, if Virginia can run well, uh, especially um, you know, in short yard situations, you know, that's the one thing that I'm really in- interested to see. Um, Virginia has not just not been able – in the past however many years it feels like to to pick up yards you know in those situations whether it's goal to go or not if they can find that balance to move the chain um if they i feel like in in a way like ben kirk's arm is a weapon that you should try yourself try to make sure you're not using but so much is that i i hope that makes sense i'm and again i'm not trying to to doubt kirk i mean he's a really talented kid and i think he has a plus arm talent i'm just saying that like your ability to just throw it deep, like you can get that whenever you want if you just throw it, right? Um, I would like to see Anai really commit to the running game, and I don't know if you've seen him do that. But also, to Ferber's point earlier, like one of the things about uh, Smoke was that he wasn't necessarily a piece that seemed to fit with what they've done. The guys they have right now fit better to what they've done, and I'm curious to see how Anai's play calling changes because of the talent he has at the spots he now has them. So, um, let's let's do this. Let, uh, let me. Yeah, we had a lot to add to that one. Yeah, you guys were great. You guys really chimed in real hard on that one. Um, but when when you think about the offense, what do you feel like the coaching staff needs to do differently? We've talked a lot about talent. We've talked about players. We've talked this and that. Do you see slotting decisions that need to change? Do you think methodology needs to change? Where are we on the staff offensively and what they uh, can or, or could do differently uh, to, to sort of jumpstart things and get this thing rolling? I think me. don't, Go ahead, don't take your quarterbacks – Every couple plays. That's, one thing. <laughs> That's a good place to start. Like, don't don't go swapping, dude, left and right. Yeah, I think I think honestly, um, and I think we're gonna see this the reincorporation, I guess, of the tight end, and then maybe like an H back type role would be good for this offense, just because in short yardage it gives you one more weapon. You need to find guys that can block and catch. Um, and it's like they they went away from it, and I understand that you know they didn't really use that type of tight end role in the last few years of Anai at BYU, but I think they had some guys on the roster who could have made some plays at that position that were just kind of ignored um, because it didn't fit, you know, a particular package or whatever they were looking to run. But then, you you know, you look at the stats at the end of the season and, you know, Richard Burney had a touchdown and Evan Butts had one on a trick play. Uh, I think those guys can, can do some stuff for you and especially in short yardage situations. I mean, even if they spread out and are in the slot, I mean, it just gives you another element that you can maybe go to instead of just splitting out wide receivers, especially with the model of offense they run where this, the inside guys are usually the smaller guys, so you're not going to get a ton of blocking out of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be, beat a dead horse, but, I mean, we started the season as, you know, go hard, go fast, and 
by the end of the season, we were as slow as we ever were um, huddling. So, I mean, I think you've got to pick a pace that works for you as a team. Um, you kind of mentioned it. I think it was, I guess it was Ferber's article. Um, they had talked about, you know, this year they're talking about huddling, but breaking the huddle and getting to the line fast. Um, glad to, glad then, to hear you feed my stuff, Dave. That's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Send my money. Um, the, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things. Sliding was a, a big deal last year, I think. I mean, you know, OZ was way underused beginning of the season and probably for the whole season. He had a few games there, but, you know, he could, like, we were so focused, the, the team, the coaches were so focused on making Smoke the, the, um, you know, the focus of the offense. And rightfully so. I mean, he, he had very good talent. He had a very good year. Um, but I think they did it at the detriment of developing other players. Um, I know it's not hard, easy to do this, but I mean, I feel like every football team needs a, go-to receiver he doesn't necessarily need to be an nfl level game breaker um but every team needs that guy who you know okay we need seven yards we're gonna throw it to him i think it makes your team better as a whole it, it you know the chris birds you know billy mcmullen was kind of more on the nfl level but you know, good Virgin- yeah, yeah good, good teams always have that guy and last year i don't know who that guy would have been for us um every game is a little bit different um I think by establishing that guy, you make the, everyone around him better because um, he's going to get more coverage and you can run stuff on the backside. I don't know if you can do that with a guy like Justin was saying, like a, a guy like OZ who doesn't have the size. So hopefully, whether it's Reed or or Dowling this year, whoever it might be, um, I think that helps Kurt a lot. I mean, every quarterback, you know, Matt relied on Heath Miller a lot. Whether it's a tight end or a wide receiver, you got to have that guy. And I don't know that that guy being a running back or a small wide receiver makes you as good as it being a bigger guy who can win any matchup. Right. I kind of feel like in a lot of ways you mentioned the, 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 the kind of desire to get smoked the ball, not having your tight end. I mean, like I think we all understand like tight ends are a safeguard, right? They are, they're there uh, when you need them um, in a lot of situations, but you sort of need a scheme that way. And I feel like because because they had Smoke and, and, and Zacchaeus and that they were essentially two smaller – basically they were small wide receivers. Let's, let's sort of look at it that way. Um, they weren't sure how to run – they weren't sure how to utilize those two assets when you also had a tight end on the field. Um, because in their system, like, like Ferber said, like the smaller guys are usually inside. And so – I wonder, and again, I like we said last week, like Ferber said today, like I'm not saying they're going to be better because they don't have Mizell, but when that when that element is out of the is out of the equation, what's the equation look like? And for me, I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's a, a situation of you know absence makes the heart grow fonder sort of deal, but like not not seeing Dowling this spring um, really in the mix, but, you know, because he's coming back from the um, shoulder surgery. One, I'm wondering, like, how much of that last year was he just gritting out, right? We don't, I mean, I don't remember exactly when it happened. When it happened, and then two, like, we we're looking for a go-to guy, like a guy who can get you six, seven yards. That's the guy. Like, he will go get you that. Um, I think that he is a is a really integral piece, and I'm not saying I want the the coaching staff to give him what they gave Smoke. I mean, obviously the 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 routes and stuff are going to be different, but like, if you build it that way. Uh, and you and you think of it a little bit differently um, in terms of like they're going to want to get Zacchaeus the ball, 
but let Zacchaeus get the ball naturally in the offense. I, I felt like sometimes last year they were forcing it. Um, and mainly because maybe that was just due to the fact that they thought, you know, this is the guy we know the best or the guy that we feel like is the best, and so we're going to try to get him the ball a lot. Um, maybe the fact that he was a, a primarily wide receiver um, influence running back meant that he was going to get all the touches. But as many times as I saw Ben Kirk just sort of try to find smoke and then just throw it to him, and look, to his credit, Mizell made a lot of crazy catches balls that he probably didn't have any business coming down with. You know, if that's a tight end, similar things will happen. The question is just going to be how the, the concepts get there. My other thing is I would like to see more uh, – more like Dave mentioned the, the, the tempo thing, right? What I saw in the spring was they would huddle and then they would get to the line and go. But they did not rush to get to the huddle or rush to get out of the huddle. And so, like, this, this place in the middle where, like, they're going fast in some ways, but they're not rushing it in others, I think it really worked. Um, I actually, I, I kind of hope that's what they do. Um, I would love to see them get to the place where they could, you know, run plays so fast I can't write down what just happened. Um, that would be a problem I think I would like to have because it means they're probably having some success, and success is obviously good for me. But then, like, I really, I really think that what they need is the huddle. I think that, that's good for them. Um, and then the tempo does kind of pick up. I mean, it's funny how, like, even if you huddle, if you, if you rush and you get to playoff, it still feels like you're going fast. And it still, in some ways, is going to give them the advantage that they want to have, which is to keep the defense somewhat on its toes. Um, Tempo-wise, I think, temp, for me, that's, that's, sort of, um, that's sort of the way I kind of hope that they, they kind of run things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it made sense what they did against Louisville to go slow, but I kind of was hoping that they'd go back to playing fast after that, and it seemed like they were like, oh, well, we kept this game close, so maybe we just have a better chance if we go slow. And I don't think that's necessarily the case against everybody. I mean, if you're going to go fast, you just have to do well, because if you're going fast and getting three and outs, then it doesn't really do you any good. <laughs> that's true. And then you're giving the other team the ball all the, you know, the whole game. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really change the results of the game, so maybe too intense slowing it down. Um you know, last year we talked about it was very similar to that grow year when we went spread attack and dumped it and then won a couple games in the middle going back to the old stuff and then lost out. I mean, it's almost identical season. It's very odd. Um, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I found myself, as we've been preparing for these podcasts over the past few weeks, talking football, like when I think back on the season without numbers in front of me, like I felt at times during the year, obviously not in the end of the year or the first game, but I thought at times in that other 10-game stretch, our offense didn't have issues moving the ball. They just had issues scoring. Um, but then you go back and you look at the numbers. like that. Like The offense was so much worse than I remember it being, and it really depressed me. <laughs> you know, get it preparing <laughs> for the thing. I mean, I mean, I don't – Virginia was like third from the bottom in the conference in pass yards per game, like which – I mean, it makes sense looking back, but like you don't feel like they're that bad. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I felt Ben Curry had some huge games in there, um, and then rushing, we were dead last in the conference. So it's just a lot of improvement to go over. You know, to get better, we still managed to win a couple games with that, which is pretty impressive. Um, and w- which is why I think maybe we're not knocking smoke again, but maybe we're. N- maybe it's not out of the realm of possibilities to assume that the offense will be better right. losing 
our best player from well, last year. and if you think about it too, like they won a couple games, but think about those two games. What happened in those two games? Crazy stuff happened in those two games. There were oh, yeah. there was there was like the the all, the point swings. I mean, that thing was just the weirdest game. Um, and then then you had the Duke I think thing. Duke had six turnovers. Six right? turnovers. The quarterback threw five interceptions. Like, and it was the one game where UVA actually won the turnover margin. I mean, look, we can talk. We, we can talk about a lot of different things, but ultimately, the offensive the offensive line is the, is the secret. I mean, is the is the crux because if they can't stay on the field on third down, they're not going to score points. They're not because they're not going to get them, and they're not going to you know have two play seventy seven yard drives that take one minute and thirteen seconds. Like they're just not right. They're going to have to put drives together. If they can't stay on the field on third down, they're not going to win. And then it's not just it's not just uh, the ability to to convert third down it's to like you said to to get into the end zone like what what i saw a lot last year offensively um was maybe it's a non-play drive six good plays two meh plays and one dumb play and the one dumb play always either killed the drive turned the ball over or whatever and like that's that was their cycle they could do a little bit good but they just couldn't do it consistent enough to to have it really mean anything um and that's going to be the thing like like when they when they're in these games, I would like to see the coaching staff be more aggressive. And I understand that everybody who, who, who whether you're a fan, or just a spectator, whether you're somebody who's in the – like everybody wants to see somebody be aggressive. And I'm not saying aggressive for aggressive sake. I'm just saying like there were too many times last year where you knew what was coming and, and it was the first year I'd watched your offense, right? Like I'm not saying, you know, throw the kitchen sink at everybody, but like – be aggressive. Take, uh, take some shots downfield. Be smart on, you know, um, if it's second and one, you want to take a shot. Sure, okay, um, but get yourself into a into a place mentally, and in terms of what you're expecting from your team that they're gonna succeed. I just feel like too much too much of last year was coached as if these guys can't do what I want them to do, and so I'm just gonna try to call plays that might they might be able to do. You feel me? Like, you, you, like the guys are yeah. not going to be able to respond. They're not going to be able to, to, to win. They're not going to be able to make plays if you're not putting them in a position to do that. And what I saw last year over the course of the season was a lot of coaching from that mindset of we're not where, where I want them to be, um, so I'm, we're not going to really push it. And maybe, may, you know, maybe they tell me I'm wrong. That's fair. That's just, that, for me, that's just sort of the way it felt all year long. Now, I, I will say – thing we haven't talked about like if the kicking game is better this year um and you know obviously we're gonna it's gonna be a new kicker um but something as simple as having a kicker you can depend on to make a 40-yard field goal if you think about the way the coaches coached scoring zone opportunities last year that you know say you have got third and one from the you know the 28 you know it's 45 yard field goal they didn't have confidence we could make a 45 yard field goal so they they're not going to try to surprise the team and throw the ball they're, they're going to try to run it and our offensive line wasn't good enough because the defense is willing to bet we weren't going to try to pass it in that situation um like something as simple as having a good kicker that you can depend on makes your life so much easier for a play caller quarterback everyone else um you think back to, to those virginia grow teams with connor hughes like when you know that dude can make a fifty-yard field goal, you can surprise a defense in any situation. You can call first down different because you know you're already in field goal range. I mean, something as simple as that. You add that problem on top of the team we had last year. 
and you know, we don't know if it's going to be better this year or not. But you know, a simple piece like that can be the difference from between you know not just making the field goal, but maybe scoring a touchdown going forward. That's a really good point. And I guess in terms of methodology, you're right. I mean, you, you do knowing what you can and can't do uh, in the kicking game. <laughs> I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth, right? Cause in a minute ago I was like, Oh, they should, they, you know, they should just put the guys in a position and make, let them, let them try. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you probably shouldn't set up for that field goal. Cause you can't do it with the delay with Brian Delaney coming in, um, uh, on the roster, he's a, he's marked as a kicker. Now, whether that means he's going to be the kicker or the punter or all of the basically he kicks everything um, will remains to be seen. But I do think in some ways the kicking situation had to have played a role. It just it doesn't make any sense that it didn't. Right. Um, that being said, like if it's third and one and you're in a position to maybe have gotten a field goal, but you're like, OK, my kicker can't make this. I need to go. That shouldn't change your ability to pick up the first down. Now, if it's third and seven, and you're having to go for it because you don't think they can kick. Okay, but I don't remember too many of those situations. Like, what I remember was them setting up to kick a field goal to win a game when they really didn't have to do all that. And to me, that will be something you're watching for this year too, right? Which is the this is this was a coach staff has had a lot of success. Um, what they've won a lot of games, they've gone to a lot of postseasons. They got to start. Show, you know what I'm saying? Like, in, it's that that UConn game to me was 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 brutal because you didn't need to set up to put a kid in who's never kicked. Now I understand, you know, he went through the whole week and he looked really good. That's great, and I appreciate that. And if you had a situation where you're kicking a field goal from straight away to win it, uh, and the clock stop and it's a perfect situation, okay, good. Or if it's a meh situation, but you know it'll work. But like you set up that drive to do that. Like you had you had opportunities to to end it yourself and you didn't take them you know what was wasn't that the quarterback draw wasn't the quarterback draw and and, and they smashed yeah. Kirk's shoulder and so he's yep. barely getting off the field and like then they're having to run the, like you had opportunities you didn't take them and then you put the you put the game into into a in a in essentially in the hands of, of somebody who hadn't kicked in a, in a college football game so I, I do think that the the kicking will improve this year I do think that will have a positive impact. I still think, though, that the, the methodology and the way that you view the thing drives the bus. Um, and I don't know, man. Like that, Unless that changes, you, you, you're, you're, you're going to be left with a lot of the same thing, right? I feel like I've been talking yeah. a while. Ferber, yeah, they're say, lucky say that, I mean, early in the season, they did a really good job in the red zone scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, they were like top five in the nation or something in red zone scoring. Um, you know. Uh, eventually as the season wore on they the problem is like you know if you do well with your red zone scoring that doesn't mean you're necessarily putting up a lot of points you're just taking advantages of the times you get down there <laughs> that's but true if you get in there twice down there all the time. <laughs> that's true um you know yeah you're down there eight times or whatever out of, instead of somebody that's down there 30 times but um i mean they they had some decent pass concepts in the red zone um i thought but it, it, you know it not having a kicker definitely impacts the, like Dave said, it impacts the way you think offensively. And, you know, you're in four down territory once you're inside the 50. So it's just like, you know, it puts a strain on the offensive play caller. But at the same time, I, yeah, I don't remember a whole bunch of specific situations where I felt like it hamstrung them, but I'm sure it did somehow. Right over the course of the, the, the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the frustrating me is like, you look at this staff as a whole and you listen to them talk off the field, you know, you know they, they're so organized and so precise. Like this is how many 
offensive linemen we need. We're going to focus on that. And you see it in everything else. You see it in the way they design their workout programs. You see it in the way the you know, players are doing the classroom. You see, you see it, maybe not in the recruiting stars, but in the recruiting positions. And they got on the field a few games last year, and it made you think Mike London was still running the program. Like, yeah, because games aren't organized. Yeah, I mean, like they're chaos. There has to be. You, you got. Uh, there were times like Bronco kind of lets his assistants run the program during the game. Um, like they've got to be better on on game day. <laughs> like we talked about it with London. Like Virginia fans hate feeling. <laughs> hey, they'll leave us. We're okay leaving a stadium if we lose a hard fought game, but don't let us leave the stadium thinking we were, we were the dumb team. Um, we saw that, you know, and that's, you know, ending the game of that Virginia Tech debacle, um, and then going back to UConn. In those two games alone, you know, cost <laughs> cost them a lot of uh, goodwill with the fans, and I don't think they're things that aren't correctable. It's just stuff you, you. Maybe we didn't see it because we didn't follow BYU that closely, but I don't remember ever hearing about it when he was at BYU. And it still leaves me a little, you know, trepidatious to to predict the team to be much better this trepidatious. year. Trepidatious, well, good I, work. I, I do remember one specific instance where they threw the ball <laughs> yeah. in a really bad game <laughs> so And I remember thinking, why did they just throw the ball? That's like, actually, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was one of those, like, what? And it was they funny. Like, that, what? Like, it was like three and a half minutes to go or something in the pouring rain, and UVA couldn't score. So it was like, just punt the ball away. But they didn't do that. So they lost. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's funny, though, because, like, t- like, what, 15 minutes, 20 minutes ago, I'm like, yeah, they need to, to, to you know, be more aggressive. And, like, there's a part where they're, like, way too aggressive. It's like you're, they're knobs, and you need to, to, to change them appropriately. Uh, the, the, the last thing I want to get into tonight before we wrap up is as we, we start to move away from the offense, um, something Dave said earlier made me think about this. I feel like as we've gone through this countdown to camp series, uh, it's been it's been cathartic in some ways. Um, I'm curious, though, as we as we start to move to the, the happier side of the ball, um, which, look, they, it's got it's got its warts, too. Um, do we do you feel more depressed um, or or maybe I should say that differently. Do you feel less? Uh, yay. About UVA's chances uh, on the offensive on the offensive side. And I'll start because I'll tell you, f- quite frankly, like I think I went into in. I, I think I went into the offseason thinking that they were in a tough spot. But you know what? They got some talent. And they're you know, uh, they'll, they'll they'll figure it out. I went through spring ball the fact there were some changes i really liked i liked that they were hitting as much as they were they're playing as much football as they are you know clearly they they want guys to get bigger um, that was a big no pun intended um point of emphasis uh in the off season for conditioning and whatnot uh but man going through this and kind of reliving some of that last year and kind of trying to project it a little bit i mean i'm not saying look I, i'm certainly not saying people shouldn't be excited i'm certainly not saying it's gonna it's absolutely gonna be rough but they, if if you if you think of it as, um, how many times in the in how many times if you had to do it would it turn out well? Man, that would be rough. Like that would be rough. Like I feel like this offense has some pieces, and if some things fall into place, I feel like they can be okay. I don't know. I don't know if I can tell you a scenario where I think they'll be very good or great. Um, but I think they can be serviceable, especially because I do think they have a, a pretty strong defense for a variety of reasons. So for me, I, I do think that this this exercise has sort of um, dampened 
my expectations for the offense, and and I, and I think as we we get closer to the season, we do our prediction podcast. That I don't think I don't think any of us are, are going to get crazy uh, like we have in some years past. But all right, so give me give me your points of view, fellas. Why? How how has this impacted you? Has it impacted you at all? Did you did you move the needle? Did it move the needle at all? Trepidatious. Trepidatious. <laughs> no. Um. So I kind of am in the same boat as you. So like reviewing last year. Perfect example of that. Um, I just want to touch on one game, Wake Forest. So they went to Wake Forest after they played Louisville. There was a lot of you know optimism for that game because it's Wake Forest. I mean, they went to a bowl game, but it's not like they're loaded with blue chip talent. Um, and they just played well against Louisville, so there was a lot of optimism going into that game. If I remember correctly from what I just reviewed earlier, um, they scored on their opening drive. Jordan Ellis scored. You know, It was a long drive, good drive. After that, they played like crap for basically two quarters on offense. They didn't get anything going. They went into halftime. I think it was like 17 to 6 or something after they missed the extra point um, or something something along those lines. Then third quarter, they come out and put a nice drive together. Donnie Dowling makes that ridiculous one-handed catch, right? And then on the next drive, so now they're I think it's like 17-13. Then they get the ball back. And Bankert is like scrambling around forever. And then he finds smoke wide open down the field and he scores. So UVA takes the lead. Then Wake ties it. And then everything went back to the way it was in the second quarter. Bankert throws a pick six. Um, and then I think they either fumbled or had like a quick three and out. And then they got the ball back with like not enough time left. And, and I think Bankert ended up getting sacked and the game ended. But that's what it was. It was like you see flashes of, oh, okay, they're doing, they, they kind of look like they did in the Duke game. Um, you know, they're moving the ball, they're, they're doing some stuff and then it goes away for way too long. And then the defense wasn't good enough to hold the lead, you know, cause they're, they're just not like an elite unit at this point. Um, they're not, you know, Clemson. And then, you know, they get some things together for a short amount of time and then it goes away again. So it's just the consistency thing that kind of scares me that, and then just the lack of overall playmakers. I think sometimes, and I don't think it's a UVA fan thing, um, I think sometimes teams, fans of teams tend to kind of overrate their own guys. Um, and I just don't, I think this receiver group is really solid. And I think somebody like Joe Reed could end up being a star. Um, but at the same time, I don't think any of these guys are on the level of some of the players that we play against in the ACC every year. You know, guys like uh, like the receivers that North Carolina has had or the receivers that Virginia Tech has had for, I mean, that's an example. Um, they're not on that level of playmaker. I think that, the, the, you know they're decent guys. We're do, we're doing the best with what we have, and I think some of them are capable of big games here and there. But they're the consistency is what scares me from the playmakers and the overall offense. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like I, I didn't really see this team winning ten games next year. So, you know, looking at the offense, what we've done the last couple of weeks, you know, certainly hadn't changed my mind from saying, hey, we we got a chance to win the coastal, but. Um, I mean, I feel like even this, even despite the you know the fact that we've been talking down the, you know, <laughs> trying to bring out the warts of the offense, if you will, it's the offense still has the potential to be better than they were last year, um, and they don't need to be like as, as badly talked about. They don't need to be remarkably better than last year to win enough games to get us bowl eligible. Um, we have a you know compared to the schedules we've had the past years, you know, this is a, a very favorable one. Um, now they've got to be, you know, they've got to be smarter, better with the ball. Um, 
but I don't think the improvement we need to see from the offense itself to win five, maybe you know, to win six games is so far out of the question that we're silly if we even have it on our mind just because we're, we're playing. You know, we, we've got some more winnable games on the schedule. That said, as we saw last year, if they play as bad as they're capable of, you know, where are the winnable games? So, um, like I think if, if your frame of reference is this team is competitive for the coastal, you're going to be disappointed. Um, but yeah, I think if you, if you're hoping this team can make a bowl, the potential is there. Um, I don't know if I'd put any appreciable money on it, but you know, yeah, I certainly would, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but yeah, the thing that always, the thing that most concerned me about the offense and it, if Ben Kerr comes out and has a match job like season with accuracy and being smart with the ball, this team can go far. Um, but when maybe I'm wrong here, but, but I feel like if you're a team that has maybe questions at the offensive line and a lack of us, you know, not superstar talent, at the wide receivers, you know, we've got some talent there, but not proven superstar talent, the wide receivers and, or uh, proven running backs. Like you're almost at a disadvantage in today's game if your quarterback can't run the ball. You're you're playing with one man less than the teams who have it have. So the way our offense is set up and the quarterbacks we have in the system, like you you've got to have better quarterback play. Um, and you know that Ben Kurt showed flashes last year. I mean, if he consistently plays like he did in that West was it Western Michigan? I mean, Central Michigan and Duke. He had the set like 700 yards or whatever in two two games. Um, if he can duplicate that over this season without the bad interceptions, this team could be really good, you know, compared to what we've seen recently. That said, you know, I still don't know where I'm going to fall when we start making our picks. There's, we talk about Virginia and the improvements they make, but, you know, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. The Coastal is stronger than it's been in many, many years with coaches, you know, very good coaches. And, you know, you think of Indiana as Indiana. Well, Indiana's not – you know, Indiana has been a lot more successful than Virginia lately. So what we see as a winnable game, because it's not at Oregon, it's Indiana at home, isn't a cakewalk. So, yeah, I'm glad I'm not a betting man because I would never bet on Virginia to start with. Um, I like talking about betting, but I don't do it. <laughs> uh, I think that's a that's a good good place to put a pin in it. Um, we'll be off next week. We'll come back the next week. And, and I think by that point, we'll have the defense done. And then let me look at my calendar here. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll do defense next Wednesday and we'll have camp, uh, that weekend. And then we'll have something to talk about the next week because it'll be August and, uh, it'll be time for, uh, for actual football, um, to be on the, at least on the, um, on the agenda or at least coming up soon. So want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. As always want to thank Dave and, and Justin for being on the show and giving me some of their time. Very gracious uh, to do that. So thank you guys for being on the show. For uh, David uh, Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.